Can you imagine that in 10 years when we are sitting here, we have an implant in our uh, brains and um, I can immediately feel, because you all will have implants, I can, and we measure your, your brain waves, and I can immediately tell you how the people react, or I can feel uh, how the people react um, to your answers. Uh, is it imaginable? A quarter of people will spend at least an hour a day in the metaverse by 2026, research company Gartner predicts. We'll be doing things like shopping, studying and working. Every business we interact with is also expected to be in this new virtual world. And we use digital tokens to buy, own and sell things. The metaverse is where a quarter of us will be working, studying, shopping and socializing for at least an hour a day by 2026, a new study says. About 30% of the world's organizations will have metaverse products and services by then, too, says technology research specialist Gartner. The metaverse will be a single world that merges the activities people are already doing digitally, the company says. Studying in virtual classrooms, building virtual homes and buying digital land are just some of the things that we could all be doing. The metaverse will impact every business that consumers interact with every day, Gartner predicts. The metaverse will bring together a range of digital activities. Credit. Metaverse, virtual economy. The metaverse will have a virtual economy, including digital currencies and non-fungible tokens. Facebook is using Centra to track its users not just on Facebook, but across the entire internet. Centra tracks different profiles that a user visits, their message recipients, their linked accounts, the pages they visit. It then centralizes all this information within its databases. Facebook then uses this with its other program called Tasks, which allows Facebook's censorship team to communicate with other big tech firms so that they can coordinate censorship across all platforms. This means that Facebook can control businesses not just within Facebook, but across the entire internet. The Tasks platform allows Facebook employees to communicate about projects they're working on together. That includes Facebook censorship teams, including the so-called community well-being team, the integrity team, and the hate speech engineering team, who all use the Task platform to discuss which individuals or hashtags or websites to ban. Imagine this for a second. One man with total control of billions of people's stolen data, all their secrets, their lives, their futures. Whoever controls the data controls the future. Controls the future. Controls the future. Welcome, everybody, to NWCZRadio.com, Channel 1's Down the Rabbit Hole. My name is Big D, and this is the Midweek Edition, and I will be spending some time with you. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in, or uh, I'm such an old radio guy. Nobody tunes into a podcast, so what, however you get to the podcast, thank you for being there. <laughs> 
Uh, as billionaires expand into space, and we're seeing this with uh, Richard Branson and Elon Musk, there are others in the global elite billionaire, zillionaire class who are expanding into human consciousness. And that clip that we just heard coming in, that was Mark Zuckerberg talking about, imagine somebody who has all this data, they're going to rule the world in the future. That's called projecting. And today we're going to talk about a subject that I've been asked about several times via email, and that is the metaverse. What are my thoughts on the metaverse? What is the metaverse? Are there concerns about the metaverse? We're going to get into all of that. And if we have time, we'll go into some news stories because I have tons. There's no way we can get through all of those if we can get to any of them, in fact. And I'm introducing a new feature today, probably the most consistent email I get from listeners is asking me a, for a list of books. I guess I mention books on here a lot. It is one of my passions. I read all the time. Usually I have four or five books going at a time, and I'm a voracious reader. So starting today, when I do a midweek podcast, to end the show, I will give a book review of something that I find interesting or a book that I've read that I think is not worth your time. So that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. I want to thank everybody at FringeRadioNetwork.com, FringeRadioNetwork.com. If you haven't been over there, check them out. They have a lot of great shows, including ours. And you can email us at DownTheRH at ProtonMail.com. Okay, let's get into the metaverse. And first of all, I like to always start with a little bit of history and some background before we really get into the minutiae of the subject. The term metaverse has been around for roughly 30 years. It actually was first mentioned, as far as I'm aware, in a science fiction novel from 1992 called Snow Crash. The author, his name was Neil Stevenson. And in this book, here is the actual quote. So Hero's not actually here at all. He's in a computer-generated universe that his computer is drawing onto his goggles and pumping into his earphones. In the lingo, this imaginary place is known as the metaverse. Hero spends a lot of time in the metaverse. And so that had pretty much everything in it. It had the goggles, the earphones. It's, he's in some virtual reality, imaginary place. And Neil Stevenson titled it the metaverse. So that is where it comes from. I think most people agree on that. And the literal meaning of metaverse is, it's just a combination of some words. Meta comes from the Greek prefix. It's a preposition, meta, which means after or beyond. And when you combine it with the English word meta, which means change or alterations from words like you know, metamorphic or metabolic. And then verse comes from Latin, which means to turn or turn with the cycle. So you can think of inverting the universe. Combine them, you come up with the term metaverse, and it's the universe sort of as we understand it, but it's changed and beyond the current scope of our current universe. So alternate reality. So that's why they call it the metaverse. That's basically where it came from. And I think they just thought it was a cool term. A lot of these, a lot of these people who are in Silicon Valley, who are in computers. They grew up on science fiction, science fiction novels, 
And so there's always this debate, is art imitating life, or were those books actually projections? Did they know something we didn't know? Were they given some sort of secret knowledge? And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but that's sort of the prevailing thought. So what is the goal of the metaverse? Facebook's goal currently is to get as many influential people, celebrities, companies, politicians, etc., to buy into this metaverse so that everyone else will follow. And it's, it's a peer pressure thing. If you're not in it, then you're left out. Everybody's having fun. That's where all the good times are. That's where all the celebrities are. That's where it's happening. You can buy, sell, and we'll get into all of that as we go down this rabbit hole. Basically, the history is that in 2014, Facebook bought Oculus, who controlled 75% at that time of the virtual reality market, and they bought them for $2 billion. Facebook developed this three-phase plan to basically lure in users. And this three-phase plan included religious, economic, and political. As long as they could get these three groups into the metaverse, they assumed and they're believing that people are going to follow. Now, a lot of people, and myself included in this, you don't have to agree with this, I believe COVID was a driver of this. I don't think they planned COVID, but they're certainly, they saw COVID as an opportunity to really push this. Because during the lockdowns, we were all in our homes. People really discovered, for the first time, virtual meetings. Because before that, it had just sort of been a fun, sort of a fad thing. Maybe some businesses used it, but not most users. All of a sudden, people were having cocktail parties online, through Zoom meetings, they're having virtual classes. It changed the scope. It really changed the landscape of how people viewed being at home and connecting with others. So the first target of this three-phase plan was religious, which I find really odd. I believe they knew that their biggest resistors were going to come from the religious crowd. So one of the first things they did was they went out and they sought religious groups to join the metaverse. In fact, some of the first landowners in the metaverse, some of the first groups that were meeting and congregating in the metaverse were religious groups. There's a New York Times article, Facebook's next target, the religious experience. Another thing they did was there's a very famous church, Hillsong. Facebook reached out to them. They held high-level meetings. And Hillsong signed an exclusive partnership with Facebook to hold virtual reality services there. They were having baptisms and participating in the Lord's Supper and everything. And claiming that this was actually much more of a personal and religious experience than actually going to church. So they're flipping the script. They didn't ask people, hey, how do you feel about this? Is this better than going to church? Is this a much more religious experience? No, they just started with this language and they started telling everybody, this is much more personal from the church itself and encouraged people to join, attend, and be part of that. Now, the sad reality is that Most people are driven by consumerism and entertainment. And Facebook knows this probably better than anybody. In fact, if you go back to the very beginnings of Facebook, 
And you remember all these, the crazy games, Candy Crush, Farm Bill, uh, you name all, all those crazy games that lured people in to Facebook. Those were all designed by people who worked at casinos who knew the psychology of gamblers to keep people coming back, coming back, coming back because you had to check your farm. You, had to, you didn't own anything. It was just this game that you were playing, but you got worried about whether your pet was going to die about whether you were going to get your island was getting raided, whatever game you were playing. And that was by design, keep you coming back. But you could never beat the game. It was just this ongoing game. It was a brand new business model of gaming. And so in the metaverse, on the economic side of things, what they have now are businesses buying up virtual venues and store property and spaces. It's estimated that by 2025, the metaverse property value will be $82 billion. What it is, is it's an attempt to flip the real-world economy to a virtual one. Many, many stores are already lined up for the metaverse. Well, how does that work? Well, you never have to go to a store. You go, you go to these virtual stores with your avatar. You walk in. You look at what's available. Your avatar can try it on, and then it gets shipped to you. So you never have to go to a store. Even Walmart is in there. I saw a test run of a Walmart where you're walking through with, this, with a shopping cart, and you just, you're walking down virtual aisles, and your little avatar grabs stuff off the shelves, throws it in the basket, and you don't even have to go to a cash register. It just As you throw it in the basket, it tallies up what you owe. And when you're done, you click done, and then whatever it is that you put in your basket shows up at your doorfront. Somebody drives it over. So now what's happening on the political side of things is interesting as well. In my opinion, this part, because the other is entertainment, playing games, meeting people, going to concerts. Justin Bieber did a virtual concert. I think Travis Scott did a virtual concert. They were free, but in the future, there have been concert venues bought up by companies, and you will pay, and you will put your headset on or your VR glasses, or perhaps by then it will be part of the chip implanted in your brain, and you will just think your way in. You'll have some sort of code or some sort of validation that allows you in, and the possibilities are limitless. They can resurrect and do hologram or virtual concerts from Jimi Hendrix, the Beatles, Frank Sinatra, anything. Anything's possible because the metaverse is beyond time and space. But the po political side has potential to be one of the worst things ever in the 21st century, no doubt. Once everyone or the majority of people are in the metaverse and you have your religion, you have side of it, you have the business side of it, you have the celebrities there, you have stores, friends, sports, everything. When it's all there, how do they get you to stay in? Well, the goal is to basically overstimulate your brain with dopamine, give you constant rushes. You'll need more and more, and you basically will not want to leave. It will be beyond your wildest imagination. It could, if you like daylight, it can, it can always be daylight. You want to be living in Hawaii, you can virtually live in Hawaii and see the sea and 
or go fishing or you have a favorite sports team, you could be sitting front row at every game virtually. It is mind-boggling where this is going. And when I say it's beyond your imagination, whatever you can imagine, they will have that and more. Work's going to be there. You're going to meet. You'll be meeting new friends, playing games, travel, fall in love with some virtual avatar, and it's just going to be unlimited time and space. You'll never have to think. It will basically be done for you because of the algorithms. While you're doing this, they will be collecting data upon everything you look at. Every place you go, every move you make, every decision you make, everything will be collected and run through the algorithm, and they will then direct you to whatever the AI thinks is going to keep you excited and keep you coming back. That's how that's going to work. You won't even have to imagine because it'll just you'll be in awe and wonder. The goal of the metaverse really is to fulfill you, make you feel like you've accomplished something, make you feel like you've fallen in love, bought land, went to a concert, created something, bought things with this virtual money or, or crypto or digital, however they're going to do it. But the reality is, is once that you step out of the metaverse, you will quickly realize you've accomplished nothing. For example, we see this a lot with gaming. People who are really, really into video games and they log in to a worldwide network and they're playing games with their buddies around the country and they fight an army or they build something or they, they play these never-ending games and hours and hours go by and when you're, when you're done and you take your earpiece out and you shut the game down, You've just devoted hours and hours and have really accomplished nothing because everything you did was on a screen and in a computer chip and can be wiped away in a heartbeat. All your progress, everything. You don't own that. All the tokens you collected, all the characters you've become, all the weapons you've collected, whatever it is, it's all fake. But it gives you this sense of accomplishment. I did that. But you haven't really done anything. It will be controlled, and this is where the political side comes in, it will be absolute controlled info. No free speech. We're seeing this on Facebook now. I'll give you some examples uh, a little later on. There will be no counter-narrative. There will be no questions. That's why I'm very adamant about having physical things. If you're into music, you should have CD records, tapes, whatever. If you're into reading, you should have physical books on hand, not digital books. If you love movies, you should have DVDs, you should have Blu-rays, you should, well, however you watch them, you should have them on hand. Because as we've seen with these platforms... They can disappear quick, they can be altered, they can be changed, because they, somebody else out there, doesn't think you should see it, hear it, or read it. And in the metaverse, this will all be controlled by some governing board. And the philosophy of Facebook is, is that once you control all the people, 
and you have all the people on your side, you also control the politicians. Because the politicians want votes. The politicians constantly reading what is the mindset of, of the people. And so Facebook can say, we've got all their data. We have all their information. We have everything. You want access to it? You're going to have to play by our rules. And we see this even now. There's been several times, especially under this current administration, where they have come out and said, oh, yes, we're in, we're in communication with Facebook. We're in communication with PayPal. We're in communication. We don't like disinformation. We don't like misinformation. We're actually asking them to, to remove people or to censor this or that. It's a cohesive relationship between the two of them where there should be zero. And at some point it will flip and Facebook will say, oh, you want us to do this? Fine, you need to do that. That's coming, if it's not already happening. Uh, here's an article from PC Gamer that says, companies are spending millions on virtual real estate in the metaverse. Because needlessly driving up housing prices in the real world for profit wasn't enough. CNBC reports that since Facebook made the move towards becoming meta, prices of digital plots have gone up by as much as 500%. One company reported spending over $2.5 million on land in Decentraland, which is a metaverse-based plot of land. Another firm revealed spending $4.3 million buying a plot of land in the Atari's sandbox metaverse. And it goes on. Oh, and I was talking about celebrities. <laughs> Paris Hilton has bought property. But more importantly, Snoop Dogg plans to build a mansion for $4.3 million. And then around his property, he's offering for people, you and I, we can buy plots next to him so we'll be virtual neighbors. And those are going roughly in the $400,000 range. So you could be virtual neighbors with Snoop Dogg. People are buying into it. But then the question is, is Zuckerberg the ultimate control? And I put this out there as no. Because according to even Zuckerberg himself, he relies and their company relies heavily on China. Zuckerberg and his team have all the ideas. They have all the coding. They have all of the platforms that they need. China, however, is relied upon by Facebook, Zuckerberg, and Meta for all their telecommunications, all their computer parts, all of the infrastructure of the entire operation. And this is why you hear a lot of rumblings about China wanting to take Taiwan. Why is China interested in Taiwan? Well, Taiwan is the world's leader in semiconductor computer chips. And semiconductor computer chips run everything. Anything that is computer from your car. I'm not even talking about like Teslas. I'm talking about, let's say you have a Ford and it has on the console, I don't know, I can't remember what the Ford system is called, but all the neat gadgets on your console that allows you to connect via Bluetooth or make calls, all of that, that's all semiconductor chips. It's in your laptop, it's in your TV, 
it's in everything. Anything that is computer, if your refrigerator has the 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 Bluetooth or the connects to the Wi-Fi, all of those are semiconductors. And that is and Taiwan provides that. China wants it because then they will have the pretty much the entire market on electronics. In fact, here's here are some articles about that. This is from Princeton Digital Group. China takes lead in internet infrastructure growth with increasing demand for digital transformation and policies on new infrastructure data center market in China continues to grow at a steady clip. This is from Harvard Kennedy School, the Belfair Center. Article titled, Inside China's Controversial Mission to Reinvent the Internet. Huawei is developing the technology for a new network. And if you go through this article, it talks about how they're partnering up with Facebook and others, but Facebook is mentioned in there, to create this new internet. And guess who controls it? Well, China does. And if you know anything about the Chinese credit score system, how they run the internet in China, how they treat their citizens in China, that's the model that they would like to bring to the metaverse. How is all this going to work? Well, of course, this rolls right into the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab's vision of this new world order. The World Economic Forum, in January 2022, Klaus Schwab, who's the head of the World Economic Forum, he's the founder, released a book called The Great Narrative. It's a sequel to The Great Reset. Now, I have not read this yet. I've read excerpts from it, and it's the second installment of the Great Reset, and it's called uh, The Great Narrative for a Better Future. And in this, he talks about how the metaverse is going to bring about a lot of what they're planning because it goes into digital IDs, which they want to put in or give to everybody. In fact, I don't know if you caught this, but there was a big election over in France just a couple of weeks ago, it was really contentious. Well, Macron wins. And just days after, literally just less than a week after he won, he introduces digital IDs. According to this article, France introduces digital ID days after Macron's re-election. Digital ID guarantee service was signed into decree following his victory which will allow France to be compliant with the European Union's digital ID. And that's how the metaverse is going to operate, on digital IDs. And digital ID, as we know, is a kill switch for things that we already do. Things we do freely with no problem. Right now, we can, for the most part, freely drive where we want to go. We can go into stores. We can go to the theater. We can go to a concert can buy things. There's no need for a digital ID, but they're telling us that we all need a digital ID to do these things safely. Well, as far as I'm concerned, I'm already safely doing that. See, it's always about safety, and it's always about protecting you, and it's always about some crisis or emergency that they're going to fix. Well, it's invented because we are already safely doing these things. So it is, it's a kill switch. That means they'll, they'll hook you up to it, and if you don't do what they say and you don't follow orders, they will just cut you off. Think of a spider and a spider web. 
What does a spider do with a web? Well, it traps things and it destroys them. And so the World Economic Forum, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, all these are all in on the same program and they're casting this huge spider web to draw people in from all different angles. This already happens in several places in the world that if you do not have the proper identification while logging into the internet, you're kicked out or you get a limited amount of the internet, which is determined by the overlords. No ID, no access. So to me, the question is, how do you choose to live? And for me, I'm preparing right now, and I'm trying to educate myself, I'm trying to educate my family, my friends, what I'm willing to do and what I'm willing to give up to remain a human, like an actual human in the physical world. We've become so used to technology, and I'm not anti-technology. Because for a long time, technology was seen as a time saver. It's convenience. It's faster. It makes things easier. However, that's, that's flipped. If you really take an honest look at technology in your life, it's actually made us busier, much more anxious, less happy, dependent, and in my opinion, less human. You see people with their phones, which are permanently attached to one of their hands. They're constantly looking at it. They're worried about their village or their farm or whatever they're going on. They posted something and they have to see who liked it, who commented. It's insane. People freak out if they can't get onto the internet or if there's no Wi-Fi or there's no connection, like they, they feel lost. And even in our daily lives, a car used to be just a transportation mode. Now it's an entertainment and transportation mode. Again, I'm not saying it's all bad. There are things that are beneficial. But put it all together, you can see where it's going. And going back to the COVID response being a propeller for this, you just have to look at it logically and realize what we were told 15 days, we, we've mocked that because it became two, one year, two years in some places, and in China it's still going on. Horrific scene over there, if you're not aware of what's happening. Wholesale just locking people up, starving them, arresting them, killing their pets. But here in most of the Western world, as we went through these lockdowns for our safety, and we weren't supposed to socialize with anybody, we weren't supposed to come within six feet of anybody, we couldn't go to work, they shut down all the theaters and the restaurants and the bars, this became a trial ground, a work in progress for the metaverse. You don't have to worry about going outside, you don't have to worry about getting a disease or passing it on. Everybody's safe. You can meet up with people. You can play games together. You can attend church service together, all virtual and online. And in the metaverse, there will be no restrictions about travel. You don't have to deal with passports. You don't have to deal with getting on a plane. You don't have to deal with anything. There'll be no need to interact with strangers. Or you can interact with Unlimited amount of people. 
in the workplace, you're in your virtual little space. You don't have to worry about coworkers, people wondering where you're at, bugging you at your desk. You're just in a virtual space. It becomes this massive echo chamber of an existence. And to me, the key word there is chamber, which is like a jail. In this metaverse, you're going to be allowed to be pretty much anything you want to be. You can have superpowers. You can go anywhere. You can be different things on different days to different people. There is no reality. And it also goes into the World Economic Forum's promise that by 2030, you'll own nothing and be happy. You can be living in a little tiny space Put on your VR goggles or your glasses or however they're going to hook you up to it. And you also you own digital property, you own digital art, you own digital music. But do you really? These are things that don't actually exist. They're not real. And they can be yanked, deleted, altered, changed at any time. So you don't really own it. But that's the brain trick that they're trying to impart on people. Because while you're owning digital property, digital car, digital everything, the wealthy elites and the government will actually own houses, land, property, and everything in the real world. And to me, one of the more dangerous parts of this is the augmented aspect the augmented aspect, when you put the goggles on and you're in this augmented reality, it completely blurs the line between virtual and actual reality. And there is an attempt to combine the two. According to Facebook, they say the metaverse is an interactive internet altering the perception of reality in the real world, but they want to eventually bring the two together so that there will be no difference. You can literally be an avatar at an actual place. And I, I watched a video on this, and it shows, it was like Father's Day, and there's a son who's across the country, and so he pops on his virtual glasses, and the next thing, he and his, he's at his dad's home across the country, and they're playing ping pong. Now, it's not, they're not holding actual real paddles, but they're at this virtual table, and he's an avatar, and his dad is real. Everything else is imaginary. So if you and I walked in on the dad, we would just see him standing in a room swinging his hands, and he would look silly. But to, in his world, where he's crossed the line into the virtual augmented reality, he sees his son, and they're on a boardwalk, and there's a beach, and you can hear the seagulls, and people are walking by. So they would like to blur that line. So their goal is that there is no distinction between the two. And also, one of the goals, whether it's the chip or it's VR glasses, because Oculus is, that is just the beginning of, the Oculus goggles are like the game, it's like the Atari of video games. This is just the beginning. This is the... We'll, we'll draw you in this with this because it looks really cool. But they're working on what looked like just regular glasses, like reading glasses or sunglasses that you put them on. And as you walk around, you see completely different things. Think Pokemon Go. Remember when Pokemon Go hit and everybody's walking around and they're staring at buildings and they're staring at 
water fountains and whatever because on their phone, as they are looking up at this building, they're seeing something completely different. They're seeing Pokemon characters that they're trying to catch. Well, imagine that in real time coming from your eyes. So as people walk down the street, they're experiencing a completely different reality than you because they can think or program or whatever it is they want in their head. And as they go about their life with their their vision goggles on or their glasses on, or I think eventually it will be a chip in the brain as we're all hooked up to the internet. That's also a goal of theirs. Everyone will be living a different reality. And in my opinion, all that is doing is normalizing digital hallucinations and delusions. Because there is such thing as reality, and their goal is to make reality so unbearable that you do not want to be in it. So, has digital gone too far? Is the metaverse dangerous? Is it something nefarious? I just ask you this. If it's distracting, isolating, robbing your attention, trying to give coping mechanisms to deal with how the world is or what your reality is or where you live or how you find yourself, if it's a replacement for reality and personal responsibility, critical thinking, if it is a controlled speech, controlled narrative, controlled what you can learn, then yes, I think it is a massive problem. And in my opinion, if the metaverse succeeds, Facebook and those that control Facebook will have total control. They will dictate the stores that are available the brands that are sold, the product that's sold, land that's owned, sites you can visit, places you can go. Because at first it's going to be sold as this is unlimited. And when everybody's in, they will flip the control switch and you can be banned at any time. And once you're in, and the majority of people are in, when you get banned, well, you're an outcast. And we see this happen all the time. Facebook bans people all the time. Here's an article from Forbes 2021 says that Facebook has banned 1.3 billion accounts over a three-month period to combat fake and harmful content. PayPal has closed many, many accounts because they didn't like what the account was for or where the money was going. We've seen this. Airbnb done the same thing. Many companies are resorting to this now to where if they disagree with what you're doing on their platform, you're gone. So imagine if you've bought into the metaverse where you supposedly own all these things, you will quickly realize you own nothing. And these algorithms are designed to exploit us force things upon us, capitalize on the info that we have, and we hand it over to them freely. Now, I could go much deeper into the metaverse and all the algorithms that they use and how they collect information, but I think we all know that. I think we're all aware of that on 
a certain level that we have been freely giving up our information, just handing it over for a long, long time. And it's coming back to bite mankind. It really is. There was a famous quote by an individual over in Ukraine when all of the war and everything started. He said one of the greatest mistakes mankind's ever made was giving all of these companies free reign to our information. And I will end this portion on the metaverse with this. If you ever doubted that you were being taken advantage of or that what they think about us, the, the users of these platforms, we've been called useless eaters, we've been called air suckers, waste of the planet, by the elites I'm talking about. This is what Mark Zuckerberg thinks of Facebook users. This is from 2018. Mark Zuckerberg calls early Facebook users dumb effers. You can fill the blank in there. For sharing data and giving up privacy. He was 19 at the time. He was having a conversation at, the, at Harvard with a friend at the time. And here's how the chat went. Zuck says, yeah, so if you ever need any info about anyone at Harvard, just ask. I have over 4,000 emails, pictures, addresses, SNSs. His friend asked, what? How'd you manage that one? Zuckerberg says, people just submitted it. I don't know why. They trust me, dumb Fs. So that's how Zuckerberg thinks of Facebook users. That's how he thinks of you and me. Well, I'm not on Facebook anymore. I haven't been on Facebook for a long time I've, when I figured all of this out. I wasn't in for very long. I was very late to joining Facebook. I hesitated for a long time, and then when I did, I regretted it, and I got out as soon as I could. So that's how they feel about us, and that's how they feel about all the information that you're giving them. So it looks like I'm not going to have time to go through a bunch of the news stories. However, I hope you're paying attention to what's going on out there that's not being reported by the mainstream media. There is an awful lot going on. A lot going on in the world regarding food shortages that are coming, the World Health Organization's International Treaty on the Pandemics, which will basically wipe away nation sovereign state should a pande another pandemic hit. And if you're signed up to this treaty, they can basically come in and just start dictating what goes on in your country. That's extremely dangerous. It's called the WHO Pandemic Tra Treaty. Look it up. One of the narratives coming out of the war with Ukraine from all different people is that the way to get out of it is by going green. U European Commission tells people to support Ukraine by taking less showers and, and using less energy. Zelensky, the head of Ukraine, says the way to get out of it is to go green and buy electric cars. Digital IDs are coming. UK announces, announces initial steps for national digital IDs. There's a lot of stuff going on, I, and I don't have time to get into all of it, and it, it makes me sad. Because I want to start this new section of talking about books that I've read that I either highly endorse or will give you the don't waste your time on it. And the one I want to start off is The New World Order by Ralph Epperson. 
Ralph Epperson. It's E P P E R S O N. Ralph Epperson. And it was published in 1990. It is a fantastic, probably, in my opinion, the best elementary breakdown of the New World Order. There are way deeper dives, but this book, which is about 360 pages, I believe, gives a fantastic view into this New World Order. Now, I will say one of the things that Ralph Epperson did in here was a lot of times he was pointing to the year 2000 as this significant move for the New World Order. A lot of people misinterpreted it as that he was saying that in 2000 was going to be the world takeover. And if you read it for yourself, that's not what he says. What he says is that in the year 2000 was the beginning of the modern-day push for this coming New World Order. And he breaks it down into several categories. It's available. It's like $14. I think you can buy it from Amazon or you can go to his own website. His website, I will put this in the show notes. It's ralph-epperson.com. It's an old school website. He's an old school guy. <laughs> and you can also order it. And he has other books, one called The Unseen Hand, which is a very good book as well. It's all about the U.S. banking and financing and how that's been corrupted and, and set up to fail. He has a book on Mason, uh, the Masons, Masonry, and several DVDs. And so, because he's, he's a professor. And he has taught at several community colleges and colleges and, and so forth. Even though his website is old school, he has a lot of great information on it. A lot of great information. He has several DVDs that you can buy of him giving talks. But you can also find those on YouTube, Brighteon, BitChute, or so forth if you don't f feel like shelling out the 14 bucks or whatever. I discovered this book in probably 19, probably the mid-90s. And it is very well written, very well researched. All of his material is sourced. He gives you all of, all of the footnotes. He gives you all the bibliographies. He gives you everything. Anytime he quotes somebody, anytime he talks about an article, anytime he reveals anything, he gives you the reference point to go check it out for yourself, which a lot of people don't do that. They just ramble. This guy's very sourced. I highly, highly recommend it. According to his website, he's a graduate of the University of Arizona. He freely admits that what he learned since graduation has taught him most of what he learned in college in history and political science simply is not true. He proudly states that his research has proven to him that there's been an active conspiracy in the world planning major wars, depression, and inflation years in advance. There's also several great interviews with him that you can find online, and I highly recommend you do so. He's a very interesting guy. He's a nice guy. He's not one of these 
uh, frothing at the mouth, crazy guys who's just screaming into the sky. He's very, very logical. And I think this book should be in everybody's library. So that is my first book review. I would put this in the must-have category. It's a very fascinating read. You may not agree with all of it, and that's okay. That's what this is about. That's why we do this. We look into things, try to give you all sides of it, and then let you decide for yourself. That's what a conspiracy realist is all about. Just don't buy everything hook, line, and sinker. And there are some things in this book that I, I probably don't fully agree with, but I also don't have any proof that it doesn't exist. I hope you pick up a copy, read it, and if you do, send me an email down the RH, protonmail.com. Let me know what you thought about it. And I do have a list. I've had several people, many people, ask me to come up with a list. And I have like a top 25 list of books that I think be in everybody's library. I think they're important books. I think you should get them now before they're gone, before they are disappeared, because it seems to be we're heading that way in the United States. And then I also, because I am a Christian, I have a list of, I don't know, 10, 15 books that deal with these topics and books on the Christian faith and so forth. So if you're interested in any of those lists, I'd be glad to send them to you. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to get them all. This is my opinion. So I hope before you dive into the metaverse, when it becomes a thing, that you will seriously weigh the consequences of what you're doing. I'm not telling anybody not to get in it. I'm not telling anybody what to do. But I do think we need to be aware of what the ultimate goal and plan is and what you're getting into. There are many metaverses, and when I say many, I mean M-I-N-I, many small metaverses going on right now with games and virtual meetings and so forth. But this is just the tip of the iceberg. And I think we all should just be constantly aware of what we're walking into. And the metaverse explicitly has been stated as a goal by several of the elite organizations as a tool to corral everybody in and have ultimate control over them. It's the spider web theory. Bring people in from all sides, get them into the web, get them stuck, and then we've got them. Well, I hope everybody has a great week. Brandon and I will be back on Sunday. We're going to be talking about David Icke. That should be interesting and fascinating because he is an interesting and fascinating character. In the meantime, get, get yourself a copy of New World Order by Ralph Epperson. Think about the metaverse and reach out to us. We will see you on Sunday. My name is Big D. Again, can't thank you enough for spending some time with me. I hope it was beneficial to you. Have a great week.